I'm Orphan George, also known as Steve Davis, uh, playing the indie band Before the Flood, and this is Welcome to the Music. Thanks for coming by. Thank you. Welcome. Welcome to your yes. your establishment. Thank you. Yes, I was. Yeah. <laughs> we we came we came to you. Yes, you know, and 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 we must say a, a big thank you yeah. to uh, to the orphan here uh, for for sponsoring this podcast, uh, Radical Road Brewery, craft beer in the heart of Leslieville, right here at eleven seventy seven. Queen Street East, they make the baddest Diet Cokes yes. ever. Four well-proportioned, sorry, equally proportioned ice cubes. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know what you're drinking, Greg. I'm having a beer beer. A beer beer. Beer beer. So good they named it twice. Yeah, I've got the 8-track IPA. That's what I'm drinking. So how is, so I'm not a beer drinker, yeah. as, as everyone who knows me knows. What, what is an 8-track? Well, 8-track's... The name of the beer, we've got actually a few beers named uh, with musical references, 8-track as uh, a recording device. Actually, no, no, sorry, a playing device. 4-track's the recording device, which we also have. We have a 4-track beer, which is a lighter version of 8-track. Eight 8-track eight is what we used to use in cars in the 70s to play music. And, uh, yeah, IPA, India Pale Ale, hoppy, uh, delicious. But I'm actually not the beer master as much as the other guys. I, I do the branding and design, so that's awesome. my part. And congratulations on the new album. Thank yes. you very much. Yeah. Yes. Your your first solo project? Yeah, yeah. First solo album. Um, yeah, it's, it's fine. I was thinking about that earlier. I played in a three-piece band to start, guitar, bass, drums, a band called Obscured. Played jazz in a four-piece band. Then went to uh, Before the Flood, which I still play with, which has ranged from five to seven members so uh solo is new and a little scary for you, sure you're trying to battle arcade fire for the largest ensemble y- of musicians yeah they had quite a lot broken social scene they got Them up there too, yeah. yeah they got way up there but uh yeah you know what it's uh, all different shapes and sizes it's fun you know I, i'm actually excited about playing shows by myself or with one or two other guests on stage that's kind of the plan and We'll see what happens. Nice. Yeah. So let's go back in terms yeah. of when you started in music. Did yeah. you? Is your family musical? Like parents play music? Was music in your life? Yeah, like absolutely. Um, yeah, my mother played piano. Uh, my father played piano, played guitar when I was young. Uh, he'd sing songs uh, to me as a child. Um, so my grandmother, grandfather uh, on my mom's side were musicians. Lots of musicians around, um, different you, you styles. You married into a and musical I, family? Absolutely. As you know, um, yeah, my wife Hannah, her father John, professional musician his whole life, played bass, guitar, sings. So, yeah, it's been around me all the time. So You, know. you talked about your dad singing songs to you. Do you remember? Yeah. And to you as well, do you remember a song, particular song that your dad used to sing to you? Oh, man. Um he used to, you know, the songs when I was really young, some of them were old, you know, songs you'd sing uh, at church, like Sunday school songs, okay. simple simple songs yeah. of that nature were ones I remember. Uh, the first song I actually remember as a child was a Johnny Cash tune, but I used to, at three years old, I could, I could spin vinyl on my own, and I'd go down, I'd put on Johnny Cash, Boy Named Sue is the first song I remember as a child, and I used to listen to Dwayne Eddy, a rockabilly guitarist. 
Uh, and I would, yeah, wake up at five in the morning and, and put on vinyl and just sit there and listen. And so, wow. Yeah. My dad used to sing to me, I remember two songs, one by Nat King Cole, Mona yeah. Lisa. And uh, the other one, I don't know who sang this, maybe you guys know, but it, it goes, raindrops on my shoulders make me happy. I do, yes. Yeah, I, I, don't, don't, know I, don't, it well. I don't know who sings that. <laughs> but um, those are, remember, I don't know, Greg, yeah. Yeah. parents ever I, sing to you? I don't remember, honestly. Yeah. Like, I mean, my parents listen to a lot of music, mm-hmm. um, but it was more the, I don't know, folky, but it was yeah. like Roger Whitaker and Nana Muscuri. Oh, and, yeah, man. And, yeah. Uh, Peter James Paul Last. and Mary. Peter Paul and Mary. My my parents were big fans of, and I think my father sang some of those songs. And yeah, that lots is of stuff. When did you? What was your first instrument? Guitar? No, uh, piano. I started taking piano lessons. lessons probably in grade you know grade one or something, and uh, took that till grade nine in high school and. I did get my grade eight uh, Royal Conservatory in piano. Look at you. Yeah. Um, but then as a teenager, uh, that's when I picked up guitar. Yeah. I was working at a camp. Um, and yeah, playing guitar at the campfire was the thing to do. So yeah. I, I started that, learning was guitar. Was that the, the old story guitar is going to get the girls interested? <laughs> it was definitely helpful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the guitar. And, and uh, I didn't sing back then at all. Uh, I was... Uh, yeah, very frightened to sing in public, uh, but yeah, I learned to play guitar, and yeah, that is awesome. Yeah. And what was the name of your first band ever? The first band ever, um, the name was obscured, and uh, okay. now we had a couple of names prior to that, but that's really the name that we used when we it's started. Like a high school band, or N- no, a little later, um, we probably started playing uh, just at the end of high school, but then we played around Toronto in the ni- mid nineties. Uh, for a little while, a couple of years, and that—that that was a three-piece kind of uh, grunge alternative rock uh, band. Yeah. Well, that's when grunge was huge. Absolutely. Back yeah. Then. Very Kurt Cobain inspired. Uh, yeah, Nirvana was a big influence on the music, but also there was some of that older roots in Americana music that I also loved. Kind of going in there with the grunge. So it were you was, playing your own stuff or like covers? Yeah, or? yeah. No, we we're writing our own songs. That's uh, I think I started writing. Um, songs uh, at about the age of 18 and uh, i think most of these gigs were i was 19 to 22 23 uh while that band was going and we, we'd play the odd cover but it was mostly our material uh songs i was writing at that time nice do you remember yeah. the name of your first song you wrote i do yeah it's actually called the end uh the end way to go the end first song. yeah <laughs> It was called The End, and um, it's funny, I'm thinking, uh, I've never, actually I probably did an old demo of it years ago, never released it, but I am thinking of recording it on on my next record, uh, and and starting to play it again, because I think it's still decent, though, it's an oldie. I'm I'm, I'm afraid to ask what the song is about, is it literally about the end? Uh, No, it's not about the end of the world. you, you know, it's kind of, I think it's a pretty simple love story, really, uh, and, and kind of the end of that relationship. So, yeah, written as an 18-year-old, I think uh, it was written at the end of a breakup of a relationship, and so it's the end of a relationship, and it's very simple, but, yeah. Would you, would, you, would, you, would you change any of the writing now? The reason I ask that is I yeah. think of the, some of the songs that I would have written at that yeah. age, and I was like, oh, man, that was... And I'm not suggesting your music sophomore, but but it's just like it's... 
Yeah, I mean, you look back, I mean, as I said, that song, um, the reason it's lived this long and I still think about it and play it is because I there was enough substance to it yeah. that, that it's remained, right? There's lots of little bits that are long forgotten that I wouldn't, I wouldn't remember that I've written, but I, yeah, I don't know. I probably wouldn't change it. I mean, my perspective on things would be different yeah. now, but I actually, even with this project that I just did, a lot of the songs and even the recording happened quite some time ago. And when I heard it again about a year ago and decided I want to put this work out and I want to finish what wasn't finished. Uh, some of the songs seem more relevant now mm. than they did actually when I wrote them. So that's kind of the beauty of music. The themes and things hit you at different times and for different reasons. So uh, that was what was kind of exciting about this project, getting it done, is that I thought, yeah, they were as relevant now, maybe even more than when I wrote them and they meant something different to me. So, mm. yeah. You sort of... Um so I have, to, I, have to, I have to say this. So I think what I'm going to try to do, Greg, is for every episode, I need to weave in some Neil Young. Yo, yeah. really? I think so. You do a good job of it normally. <laughs> <laughs> because you said grunge and yeah, Americana. Absolutely. And they call Neil Young. They refer to him as a godfather yeah. of grunge. I don't think he started it, but I think he was the oldest one. To play, yeah. So they called him that. Yeah. But then one of his latest, it's not a recent album. I don't know how old it is. Five, six years old. Uh, he he did an album. I think it was called Americana with, um, yeah. with his uh, uh, oh my Crazy Horse. Yes. And all all old Americana songs like Oh Susanna, yeah. like grunge style. Um, so I thought I'd just weave that hmm. in there. Absolutely. Some some little Neil Young in there. Yeah, and I think you know you got that term. The, the way his approach to uh, guitar playing, I think like. Um, some of his guitar solos and approach, it really did. It was such an influence on Pearl Jam and, and Soundgarden bands, I think. And, and I saw him, uh, he headlined with Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, Blues Traveler. Whoa. Forget if there was anyone else in that lineup. It was at the CNE some what time ago. Sense. And it was an unbelievable show. And, and uh, Pearl Jam, it was after 10 was out, they were huge. And uh, Soundgarden was also pretty massive at the time. And and the Pearl Jam set was unbelievable. And I thought, how was Neil going to take the stage? And when he took the stage, he, he looked like he was 10 feet tall. He, he was he was on a different level of playing still than, than to me, those bands yeah. in their prime. Uh, so a uh, pretty phenomenal performer. He's awesome. Uh, yeah. Greg, have you ever seen Neil Young? I have not seen Neil Young. Yeah. You have not lived. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I wouldn't want to, but yeah. no, I, I think it would be an amazing yeah. show. Yeah. His guitar solos are just phenomenal. Yeah, like agreed. it just goes to another level. Yeah, I like them because they're they're abstract, and you you don't actually know where he, they're not um, a, a memorized scale that he's ripped a million times. He is just yeah. moving around the neck. Uh, and I, those sort of guitarists have always been my, my favorite. Mark Ribot, who plays with uh, Tom Waits, very abstract, kind of weird stuff. And, and Neil has that in him, and, and I love that. Love that. So how long did this grunge band last? Yeah, I think, so it would have been, um, as I said, I, I think it kind of started to wrap up around 2006, 
would be my guess. 2005, 2006. Or is Any that albums later? or... You guys recorded anything? Yeah, no, we recorded really just demo tapes and stuff okay. like that. Yeah. So um, there's some old stuff on, on DAT, digital audio tape, that I've actually, again, thought I should go and kind of take off. And Do you have a DAT machine? I don't have a DAT machine. <laughs> we used to rent, uh, back at that time when we'd, rec- we'd re- rent some gear, rent a DAT machine, yeah. record, yeah. and uh, then rip it to cassette tapes and drop it off at yep. clubs. So... Um, I've still got some of that old material, but I, I don't think much of it's very good, but it, w- it would be um, fun to hear again. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I'm trying to think if I got those dates right. They seem a little off, but you that, know that what? seemed like a long time. It no, no, like- that was too long. Yeah. Because it, it was more 92, yeah, to 98. Not 2000. Not I, 2000. I, jumped, I jumped a whole decade. That's so long ago, I, I skipped a decade. <laughs> yeah, to about 98. I think our last gig was in 98 at Graffiti's or something like that in uh-huh. Kensington Market. Yeah, sorry. Was there was there ever a thought of, okay, we're going to go big time, we're going to get huge, or, or were all you guys working or in school and just having, yeah. a, having a blast playing? You know, I think as um, when you're writing songs and playing songs and and playing gigs i think uh, there's always a part of you that thinks something could happen right to some song might catch someone's ear and yeah uh you know i think it's actually also kind of important to never lose that i mean i i still believe that now that that uh you know a song can be written by anyone at any moment that's gonna you know have a big impact on on a large group of people so as a musician, I mean, yeah, you don't, you don't bank on it. You don't make your plans around, uh, you know, some immediate success. But I think you always are dreaming uh, a little bit about what might be. And, 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 and uh, I think, I think it's, yeah. I think we have more chances of having those types of successes now with today's distribution. As much as it can be a blessing and a curse, yeah, it's like you know, it's the YouTube being found and played or the, the Spotify song. Yeah. Of the country artist. Yeah. Who, who, never mind. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But anyway, going big, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I wanted to ask that. Like, yeah. is there, as, as you're making music and knowing what is popular today and what has been popular for the past five years, maybe more, I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's not, there seems to be a formula to get huge. Yeah. These days, you know what they call pop music, right? Do, do you, does that ever go through your mind, or do you say I've got a bunch of songs that I want to record and, and, and yeah. just, just what I want to do? I didn't used to think about that, uh, like how to write a song that would be popular, how, how to write a pop song. Then, uh, with um, with before the flood, which I played in. I'll get these dates right. That that band started in 2005 and is is still going uh, to this day. So we're, yeah, we're 15 years uh, wow. together. Um, Watch out, Rolling Stones. Yeah. So um, with that band, you know, we knew after our first album that a lot of our songs weren't quite ready for radio. Okay. You know, there might have been the odd one that 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 you know could have a chance, but. For the second album, we had to write with a bit more of a pop mentality, still writing what you want to write and doing what you want to do. But mm-hmm. so it, it is something we thought about and discussed. And when you, 
you look at the most popular songs uh, of all time and why they're that way, uh, you know, it's it's often a chorus with a message that resonates with this massive audience mm. that's repeated many times. Uh, and, yeah, and, and you can see why a wide group would want to hear that song over and over again because it just it resonates and it's uh pertinent so i do we i think i think about that stuff more now than i used to but it's still it's just one element of what you're thinking about as a songwriter i think right it doesn't dwarf other things that are important to me uh with writing a song you know I, i wouldn't yeah write something I didn't believe in uh, yeah. just to make it a pop song. Right. That's I still want to write songs that I'm proud to sing. Yeah. So why, why did band number one stop? Why did you guys break up? Sorry, pardon, I missed that one. Band number one, what happened? Like, why did you guys oh, break up? Oh, um, you know what? It was just, we were young. Uh, I think, I think we had just... We were going different directions uh, with work and uh, school, sure. and and um, I think I got yeah. The, the band was breaking up the year I got married. Um, not that that had any bearing on it, but it was Another just another Yoko Ono story. Life changes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and I, I think um, trying to remember if our bass player Pat Tarswell. So that band was was Pat Tarswell, Don Laurie, and myself. Um, I think uh, yeah. There was, there was just we were going different directions and it and it and it came to an end. But it was all uh, on good terms. Yeah. It just had run its course. Cool. Yeah. And do you think do you think part of the the longevity of before the flood is because you're older and you can manage? Because you, you probably totally. have more now, yeah, right in your lives than you did then. But yeah, no, I think it was. I mean, everyone was at uh, with, with before the flood. Uh, though members have uh, come and gone, but and we're between. You know, five and seven members typically. Uh, yeah, I think we were all more stable in our lives, our jobs. Um, again, for for everyone in the band, it's uh, music hasn't been full time. It's always been a passion, and uh, enough of a passion that we keep at it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we were at different stages. So it made it easier. I just realized I made up a word there. What Did was you? the word? Longevity. Longevity. Write that down. Sounded good. Eh? Longitivity.com. Yeah. I just thought I'd point that out before, <laughs> before somebody jumps on Facebook and goes, oh, what an idiot. <laughs> it's your wife that's the teacher, yes. not you. Yes. I was making up dates earlier. I wasn't earlier. meaning that it would be my wife, but yes. Band, band number two. wasn't even that. The five spot. So uh, the second band was a jazz band, instrumental jazz, hmm. uh, which ah. was with the same drummer I had played with. He had... Um, that's a total change. That's total a, change. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, basically, the drummer I had been playing with, uh, he's a cyclist, Don Laurie, and um, a good friend of his, Lawrence Farwick, was a classical guitarist, but uh, wanting to get into jazz, so was uh, learning to play jazz, said, hey, let's jam. Um, we found a bass player. Um, we actually... Worked with a few different bass players before uh, the full-timer, Kevin Hilditch, came on board. And, um, yeah, we became the five spot. I learned to play jazz chords on the guitar. It was like I worked through a book. Lawrence helped me. Uh, and I, yeah, learned a whole different way to play guitar at that time. And uh, and it was a ton of fun. Uh, we did, we played the Rex a lot and uh, Gate yeah. 403 and Roncesvalles. And we played a bar out here, Queen East. I can't remember the name of it now. Um, but yeah, we played around the city. We did a lot of corporate events. We did uh, 
weddings and stuff in Niagara on the Lake. Um, they actually paid well. The corporate events actually paid oh, yeah. money, so that was nice. Yeah. <laughs> and we and we loved it. Yeah. What, is, what is what is it about jazz that my understanding is that it makes musicians better? Because I, I saw a documentary with um, Neil Neil Pert, yep. Rush, and he he went. He was, everyone acknowledged he's probably one of the best drummers ever. And it was during that time he said, "I I need to relearn." And he went and he learned you know how to play jazz. Yes. And the way he held his sticks was different. All of a sudden. Yeah. What is no, it about jazz music? Well. I, I can talk more from, uh, you know, my perspective as a guitarist. For, yeah. for drums, I mean, you do get a lot of complicated rhythms, different time signatures. You got songs in five four and seven eight, and um, and sometimes very very fast, like bebop music. And we'd play Latin jazz. You got to be able to swing. You got to be able to play fast. So for a percussionist, yeah, you, you have to have it all. As a guitarist or piano player, you're dealing with a whole new set of chords. You're playing. Every chord that's ever been created, uh, you, you know, diminished chords, augmented chords, uh, you know, minor sevenths and ninths and whatnot. So it's there's a lot, a lot of new stuff to learn when you're playing rock music, folk music. You're for the most part fairly standard chords, though. Uh, as you get deeper into rock and and the, and the bands that are exceptional, you do see that they're throwing things in. When you, li- you listen to the Beach Boys and and the Beatles even, like, they were they were playing a lot of complex chords that a lot of people didn't realize, right? Yeah. And, and and the best bands are, uh, the reason they sound unique and better and different is because they are pushing it outside of the, the kind of standard rock chords. But but jazz, yeah, you've got to know, you got to know every chord there is. I think it's also, <laughs> yeah. I think a part of it too is the improvisation, yes. right? Like, like yeah. you hmm. improvise a lot more in jazz. And so if you think about... Even even for a business person to take improv as from a from a comedy perspective, yeah, right. It's it's thinking on your feet. It's like you know what is you know yeah. it's like what did you do that I'm going to use for the next bit? Yeah, I mean that's a whole other level than playing absolutely record. and it should be unique every time. Like a typical when you're playing, particularly in an instrumental jazz band. You have a head, which is basically you have a set melody and chord progression you play at the beginning, and then it's all improvised from that point. You're soloing, you're trading solos, and you're communicating there. And that's, uh, it was, uh, after playing in a band where I, I, I was a singer and guitarist, it was nice to just play guitar just in play. a band. I, that's, my whole focus was was the sound of my guitar uh, and 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 soloing, which uh, I've never been a great soloist, but I, I did learn to solo a bit more uh, playing jazz and um, it, great. But it's a different part of your brain. Like it's again when you're singing lyrics and words, and you got to get into that emotional space. It's uh, totally different experience on stage. So that's wild. Yeah. How how long did Five Spot last? Five Spot. I'm going to think before I answer this time. <laughs> yeah. It basically overlapped almost with the end of my, you know, the alt rock band. Um, so, yeah, it started I think probably ninety nine, and that's the band that went to about two thousand and eight, and actually overlapped with Before the Flood for okay. a couple of years. So both of they they were both going on at the same time for a few years. That's why I said two thousand eight earlier. I think that's the end of the five spot. So it was almost a ten year run. Uh, oh, wow! Yeah, and some good money playing those corporate gigs. That was yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the most money. Uh, <laughs> not that it was enough to uh, 
uh, retire on or anything like that. But it was, sure. it, it felt good to to go to a gig and and play and actually, yeah, walk out with more than you've spent. And that's probably the only time that ever happened was in, oh, in no. a jazz band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure, might yeah. have. And yeah. and it's interesting that you say there was an overlap. Yeah. Um, so I've I've never you know outside of the ukulele, which you know some can debate whether it's a real instrument or not. But outside of playing, who says it's not a real instrument? I'm just saying it's if I can play it, it can't be real, yeah. and and I, I can't even play it. Play it, you know. There's a I know three or four chords. That's about it, uh, and I can only strum. I, I can't. I'm not a picker. I can't. I have no clue. That's that's for the gods of of guitar, <laughs> of the ukulele, um, of the ukulele. <laughs> um, but one thing I noticed. So so I don't. I, I preface that uh, to explain that. I'm just a connoisseur of music. You know, unlike the two of you, you know, mu- musicians and recovering musician, Greg, um, you know, I see it from a, you know, just listening. And one of the things I noticed with Before the Flood, yeah. um, you know, whether it was uh, the, that acoustic set that, that you played yeah. um, or even a couple of weeks ago when the whole band was here playing, yeah. is that the guitars are... are they're not simple stuff that you guys are playing. No, no. Yeah, no, it's uh, fortunate to play with those guys. Um, They're really they, good musicians. Yeah, I mean, and it's, uh, you know, we've been we've been doing it as, you know, 15 years together. Yeah. Um, uh, a lot of the guys have played in other groups and with other people, uh, you know, starting from the back, you know, Jeff Bolton, a phenomenal drummer. He really... It's funny. Somebody was just talking about him yesterday. I was playing hockey, and someone was talking about how how I can't remember who it was. How good of a drummer he was. Actually, it's Chris Dinsdale. I was actually out with him on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Guy we play hockey with, and how much he appreciates his drumming. And he just he drives stuff. He just keeps. Yeah. And he's different. He's unique, and every song kind of builds in a, a different way. It's not just sitting there doing the same thing verse after verse and chorus after chorus. Um, so. You know that that's where it starts. Our bass player Jason Lacrosse, uh, unbelievably solid. He's played a long time. Aaron and I play the guitars, um, and again, he's, he's a he, great singer too. Good singer, great singer, great yeah. finger picker. We're different. Like I'm more of a percussive kind of acoustic player. He's got a finger picking, a probably a softer style. Yeah, phenomenal. And uh, and then yeah. Our secret weapon, we always say, is uh, Mike Harvey plays mandolin and violin and unbelievable yeah. ear. His harmonizing uh, mm-hmm. as a singer is unbelievable. And no, we, I, I feel lucky every day to play with those guys. And, and uh, we have, uh, we're working on our next album as well. We've, we've basically got the songs written. Uh, and this year, we've we got to get to work and, and record them. And so you. Told me a bit about that and the process that you guys are going through right now with the recording of it. Um, you, you, you talked about some interesting influences coming in. Hmm. Again, without giving too much away, give it away. Yeah, um, we certainly, um, you know, our band previously, you know, one of the best definitions we heard was kind of like a roots inflected hmm. rock band or, or roots inflected indie rock because we've definitely got. That Americana roots backing some uh, the the folk for sure. Yeah. Sometimes a touch of country. There's the rock, the indie rock, alternative stuff. The new album, yeah, we we wanted to make sure uh, we got to a different place. Uh, we're using a lot more 
electronic drums, synthesizers. Um, I, there's so many bands influencing it. We're all Cigarose uh, fans. Um, bands like The National, um, other, Tycho. We all, uh, Aaron and Jeff and I went and saw Tycho recently, and um, we all love that stuff too. And and we 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 want to kind of push. Uh, a bit more of a dancey vibe, hmm. party vibe um, for this project. Yeah. Again, it's um, it's not that we'll stop doing what we did before, but I think you know you gotta evolve and yeah. So it's it's going to be different. Um, and yeah, we're excited about it, and uh, we hope to get it completed this year. That's the plan. So that's cool. Is this album number three? Yeah, third uh, LP full length. We had one EP as well. But it'll be our yeah third full length record, yeah. So you've been playing for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Decades. Yes, a few decades now. So, Greg and I, are, we we always love hearing stories from the road. Yes. Like where? So where have you? Like, what's the furthest you've ever had to drive to play a gig? Good. That's a question I can answer because the truth is, it's funny though. I played in bands my whole life. I have not done a lot of extensive touring because of uh, just um, the the life I've led. I um, I had kids fairly young and a young family and played played tons locally and, and played in all the different bands we've discussed. But furthest drive uh, that I can answer: Charlottetown, Prince Edward Island. We oh, drove we here Toronto. We drove all the way a straight shot home from PEI home at the end of a tour because we did an East Coast tour uh, for our last. Uh, before the flood record holding the sky and uh we played a gig there it was the last night we were exhausted sick i had no voice at that point we had gone three or four nights in a row of gigs we um we played kind of a house show in quebec then played moncton halifax prince edward island and we woke up the next morning and we drove all the way home and got home at maybe 5 a.m the following day and that was a long drive. Jeez. <laughs> Obviously changed drivers. Oh, yeah. We changed. Yeah. I took the first <laughs> shift and then That's yeah, nuts. took breaks. But but you know what? We were either going to crash in a hotel and spend more money or get to our own beds by 5 a.m. So we and were this like, wasn't let's one of those, keep hauling. This wasn't one of those corporate jazz gigs. So you had to head home. No. When, <laughs> b- before the flood travels, uh, it's my job to book the motel rooms. You always want a motel because you, you don't want to have to carry gear up any stairs or anything you want to be able to pull your car right to the door, to the door. and we're sharing beds so they have to be queens not doubles so yeah that's how, that's how it works so i gotta find a motel with queens yeah. and maybe a cot if there's five of us so that's how we tour interesting <laughs> what's um you ever been stiffed i that's you know it does happen stiff. you know Never been completely stiff for money. Uh, I'll give a shout out about actually not getting stiffed. Um, we drove all the way up to Sudbury uh, once for a gig. Um, I think it was called Prohibition, I think was the name of the bar. Um, there's a bigger bar in Sudbury, and I'm forgetting it. Maybe Townhouse Tavern. Townhouse. Yeah, Townhouse. So we went up, and we're... That's a five-hour drive, I guess, or something. We're maybe 45 minutes away. We find out the bar's flooded. They call me, and the bar's flooded. We can't play. And um, the Strombellas... Which band was this? This is before the flood, and maybe five years ago, four or five years ago. So we're driving up. 
Strombellas are playing the Townhouse Tavern that night. We're at this other bar nearby. It's flooded. So they say, maybe you can get on, you can open for the Strombellas. They had another opener, but I started getting on the phone as, as we're driving. Strombellas are, said, cool, yeah, we'll let you open. Uh, that's great. So we go, we check into the hotel, get everything ready in the hotel room, and then um, uh, get another call back from the bar. And the sound guy isn't going to show up in time to do our sound check. Jeez. So we can't open. But regardless... They let us in. We, we saw the Strombellas play. So it was worth the trip to, to Sudbury. It was a good show. Go. And we drank a lot. And, uh, <laughs> and then we headed home the next day. But the part about not getting stiffed, I've gone on two tangents. Uh, the owner of the bar that we went to gave us money for coming all the way up and back, gave us gas money, and actually was trying to give more than I thought was reasonable. And I said no, and I took a little less. But that was, that was pretty cool that they, they still wanted to provide something for our, our trip up there. So. This is the bar that you actually went to? The bar I was supposed to play because we'll pop oh, by there. Ones. The flooded okay. bar, we okay. pop by to say oh, hello. Awesome. And uh, I think they were trying to give us maybe 300 bucks. I was like, no, no, I know you guys are losing money tonight too. You know, you're not selling drinks. Nothing's happening. So they... They maybe gave us half of that something, but hmm. it was the opposite of getting stiffed. You don't hear that every day, but no. they treated us well. Yeah. No, you don't. Yeah. By the way, positive vibes <laughs> out to the uh, Strombellas today because I guess they've canceled some shows with some health issues. Yes. So, you know, knock on wood, everybody's yeah. healthy soon. I saw that. Yeah, I saw the article too. I'm not sure who was ill, but yeah. I know somebody was know. hospitalized. But yeah, all the best mm-hmm. uh, to yep. them. Yeah. More. What's What's the the weirdest thing that has ever happened to you on like on tour or, or, or at a gig? Yeah, weirdest. Weirdest is a good question. Or most memorable. You know, the moments that are the weirdest as a musician on stage are the ones where you um, you, you almost go blank. Like you, you kind of lose everything. Um, <laughs> what song are we playing? Uh, yeah, yeah. What, what, you forget, you know, the the verse of something you've sung 200 times and for some reason the words aren't coming or, or something like and they're the worst moments um uh, you know there's nothing that dramatic it's funny in my first band i used to break guitar strings on purpose at the end of one song because it was just it was a heavy grunge tune and i would purposely on the last song of the night i was trying to break a string or two just crushing my guitar now it's the scariest thing in the world i don't want to break a guitar you know on stage (laughs) or or you know hit something wrong but it's those moments uh, yeah where you just kind of for whatever reason your your mind is is not into playing it goes to another place than you're supposed to be playing and 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 you get lost those are the scariest moments um those are called my nightmares now. Yeah, <laughs> no, I know. Like, I'll be I'll be lying in bed and, dream, and then all of a sudden, it's like I'll be dreaming that I'm on stage, can't remember yeah a single lyric or, or exactly what I'm playing. Like, and it's oh. and you can't recover in those moments. Like I know something that happens to guitarists. Well, at least me at times. Sometimes you put a capo. <laughs> What's that? What's and a capo? Capo sorry. is um, what you put on a guitar neck to oh yeah to change the clip. like a clip. Yeah, yeah. To change the key. Uh, you're going to play the song and, and once in a while you'll pinch it on the top of your guitar and you'll hit a string or two with it so it'll change the tuning and then you're trying to tune your guitar but you've got a capo putting pressure and then you, you can't figure it out and you're in the middle of a song or something or you've started a song and those are awful feelings I I used to what I'll say now about playing is um, 
I'm certainly trying to enjoy being on stage more for a, yeah. a long time as a musician, especially if you don't do it all the time, which I've, as much as I played, it's never been something that I'm on the road playing 20 gigs a month. It's, it's spread out over a number of years is actually relax and enjoy it and not just focus on what goes wrong. Cause when it's so easy to just remember those, the bad note, the missed chord, most people don't even notice. And yeah, uh, yeah you got to sit back and enjoy what, you know, is, is a pretty amazing thing to do. Right. And, and, uh, I'm trying to do that more now as I get older. <laughs> So why why this time in your life release a solo project? Yeah, it's um, the album was recorded uh, mostly between the first two before the flood records. So I oh. had a I had a bunch of songs that were kind of mellower folk songs that didn't really suit the band. We had enough mellow folk songs, so we wanted. To bring heavier stuff to the band um, So I had this batch of songs And I started recording them And um, and then they kind of sat dormant for a while Last Christmas I um, listened to it all again And I said That's when uh, I touched on earlier You know, there was I, I, I thought they were relevant now as much as ever And I thought I'm going to finish this uh, I had a few parts to record Some piano, some harmonica And and uh, and put it out and and to me it's yeah kind of there'll always be these songs I'm going to write that aren't going to be right for a band but are going to be right for me yeah. Uh, yeah. and uh, I want to keep doing these records I basically uh, kind of ready to record the next record I've got hmm. another batch of songs that have been written over the last you know few years that I want to record the next Orphan George record um, and and uh, and my whole thought on even the the shows is it's not just about me and and my solo material. I want to have guests. I want to play my favorite covers. I want to. It's just something I, I can do what I want up there, right? Play uh, you know songs by artists who have influenced me, and have different people come and join me, and and just have fun in a different way. That is awesome. Yeah. I want to ask you this. <clears throat> Excuse me. Actually, let me ask you this: You've got you've you've got before the flood. You've, you you're now going to be supporting a solo project. Yeah, uh, you're going to release another album. Yes, for for both before the flood and, be, and Orphan George. Yep, yep. Um, Those are a little bit off, but they're coming. You you have this uh, this bar here, um, a brewery. You've uh, you run in uh, a creative agency. Yep. Um, you're a dad, husband. You're you're building a cottage. Yeah. Um, He's a curler. You're cur. Jeez, curler. Yeah. Uh, you play ice hockey. A little bit. Yeah. Um, do you have more than twenty four hours a day? Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. Where do you not? Are you a vampire? No. <laughs> where I actually, do you find the time and the energy for all this? I know. It's funny. I I sleep more now than I ever have before. <laughs> believe it or not. Um, and I need to keep doing that. It's important for <laughs> my health. You you know I. Um, I've said this to so many people you know there's people who say how do you have time for a band it's like a lot of people watch three hours of TV a night it's not hard to get together with a bunch of guys for three hours twice a month like that's basic our band it's on average maybe twice a month we get together and rehearse and, and uh, spend three hours and, and play music 
it's not hard to do. You just got to do it. You just got to get up and get there, right? And and um, so yeah, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't have any TV shows I have to watch every night. I don't have any. I'm I'm far behind on movies. As uh, my friends and family, they laugh at me for all the movies I haven't seen. <laughs> um, though I love watching movies, I you know I. You know, you know, it's just the choices you make with your time, right? I, I right love on. to play guitar. Guitar is relaxing for me. Like to me, when I get home from a tough day of work, uh, I want to go put on the guitar for a half hour, right? And and that's um, that's what I do. That's uh, awesome. And sports too. Like I need that. I need the physical. I sit at a desk, so I'd rather throw rocks than watch another couple hours of television, right? And and then have a beer or two after and chat with some people and go home. So. I do get too busy at times. I mean, it's, uh, uh, yeah, it's not always in, in balance, but, uh, you know, that's something that's, uh, uh, yeah, you're always working on. Nice. Yeah. So th- there's an article that came out um, on City News by uh, Lindsay Dunn, who, who has been a guest of mine on, uh, on, on the uh, podcast number one. Yeah. So she wrote an article, title is this, is Toronto actually... A music city. There's and so this article talks about a lot of stuff, and I uh, maybe we'll put this in the show notes. Sure, I'll link to this in the uh, in the show notes. So here's here's some stuff, some stats. Eighty percent of artists do not believe they can make a living wage. Yeah, fifty percent. This of, is all in Toronto. Yeah. Okay. I, I guess. Hold on. Uh, yes, Toronto Arts Foundation. They did a study. Fifty <clears> percent <throat> of artists make less than thirty thousand a year. Seventy-three percent of Toronto artists have thought about leaving the city. Nearly one in five artists have been renovicted. Ah, I see what they did there. Renovicted. Mm-hmm. Um, more than thirty music venues have closed in Toronto over the past ten years. What's what? Are, what are your thoughts about Toronto? Because didn't Rob Ford a few years ago? No, was it Rob Ford or was it? John Tory sort of declared music city. Yeah, Toronto yeah. music city. Well, what are your thoughts on Toronto as a music city? It's a, it's um I love number 1, I I love Toronto. I love <laughs> the city. I grew up listening you don't to bands have in to Toronto. Love the city. I do I love, love the, the city. city yes, Greg would know. Yeah, yeah. I have a love-hate relationship with the city. Yeah. And I I grew up when the clubs were vibrant, uh, you know, when, when music, you know, Queen Street was hopping, um, ultrasound and the horseshoe, uh, and, and Cameron House. I mean, X-rays. X-rays. Yeah. It's just, you know, it was an incredible See, no, time I've never in the heard 90s. of these names. Like, they haven't well, been around the for horseshoe, a long time. The horseshoe, the horseshoe still. The horseshoe, yes. yes. I've been to the horseshoe. But the other ones are all. These other places. Yeah. Well, some of <laughs> It's, it, it was incredible, um, uh, the scene then it then there was this big change to kind of dance clubs there's never been a full recovery from <laughs> the yep. move from live music to dance clubs to live music again in Toronto and it's the the problem for touring musicians is there's just so much in Toronto on any given night there's a million things there's going lot, on there's a lot yeah lots to do and you can't uh, yeah as if you're trying to make money on the road most artists skip Toronto You'll make more money playing in smaller towns around Toronto than you do coming into uh, coming here. So it's it's very difficult, and to live here too. On top of that, it's yeah. my, so many artists move to Montreal. It's still a little more affordable now. Um, Hamilton, um, it's 
yeah. Uh, uh, again, I'm blown away all the time by bands that had quite a lot of success that are still to this day struggling financially yep. and they went through good eras of selling records and playing shows and stuff now yeah the, you basically you know it's yeah can you sell enough merch and uh, and your ticket price is, is it high enough to sustain everything you've got going on but it's uh no it's a totally different environment uh very hard <laughs> yeah well, that's for sure yeah. what do you what are you listening to now Excuse yeah. me, let me let me get rid of that frog in my throat. What are you listening to that now? <laughs> yeah, um, I'm always listening to. Uh, besides this podcast, yes. Besides this, <laughs> I, I'm all over the map. Um, it, it's uh, you know, Tom Waits is a staple that that never goes away. Uh, um, my biggest influences, I think, have always been Tom Waits, Bob Dylan, uh, Steve Earle. As a writer, I listen to a ton. Um, I is more as far as more current bands. The National, I love. You know, I've hmm. loved everything the National's doing. Wilco, uh, incredible live, and I, I love all the music Wilco's doing. Um, I'm still a, a huge fan of, of uh, so much Canadian music. Um, Skydiggers just put out a new record. Um, that's the band I've, I've probably seen more than any other band live wow. in my life. Um, y- you know, the work that Hey Rosetta, I know that recently broke up, and uh, Tim Damn Baker's. Good band. Yeah, Damn good yeah. Band. Tim Baker's doing solo stuff. Winter Sleep from the East Coast. Um, but, but, I mean, I, yeah, I could go on and on and on. Um, there's so much I. I love uh, and listen to. It's pretty diverse, and I can, I can, yeah, I can say as somebody who has sat with you more than a few nights at the cottage, yeah, or at Kilbear or camping, um, when you pick up the guitar and play, it's it's a lot of that stuff, and it's just we're all just singing along, and yeah, whether it's yourself or yourself and John, and it's just oh, just a celebration of a lot of Canadian music, but a lot of music, but a lot of Canadian music. Absolutely, yeah, and I can't go without saying Spirit of the West and yeah. Tragically Hip and Northern Pikes. I mean, I, it's the music I I grew up on. You uh, too, uh, you know, as a teenager was probably the biggest influence on me. That, that was hmm. the first band I. I guess was kind of an you know capped really captivated by was uh y- you know when Rattle and Hum uh came out in 88 and and watching them as a live band and what they could do on stage it that made me say I want to I want to get up and I want to do play. that one day. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Steve, I know you and Greg go way back. You guys are good buddies, but you have been very kind to us uh giving us a um a home here. I don't know when you're going to kick us out, but <laughs> no. But Renault evicted. Renault evicted. <laughs> but thank you. We got another yes. podcast coming. Thank in. you for hosting us here. Yes. Uh, thank you for everything that you and Radical Road uh, Brewery do, um, not just for us, but for the community here. I, I know uh, a coworker of mine who lives around here, and her sister lives around here. This is one of their go-to spots when they go bar hopping on a Friday or on a yeah. Saturday. They love coming here. Um, and thank you for uh, for sitting down and chatting. Really yeah, appreciate it. Thank you very much. Lots of fun. <laughs> <laughs>